So just chuck full of those. Yeah, just win, just win Olympic, uh, whatever. Not medals, but just being Olympian, right? Being Olympian. Just being Olympian. You got some street cred, okay? My apologies. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't downplay how awesome you are, Jason. This has nothing to do with me. We're a team here, pal. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Hey, joining us now uh, is the Pac-12 Insider from the San Jose Mercury News. He is John Wilner. He is on the phone with us on BYU Sports Nation. John, we know your life has been madness over the past month, so we appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, we we're discussing today it, which conference really is in the better position, the Big 12 or the Pac-12. It feels like we're splitting hairs as of today, July 20th, which conference is really in better shape right now overall? Is it the Pac-12 or is it the Big 12? You know, I would give the Big 12 a little bit of an advantage based on stability mostly. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, the difference in the two to me is mostly on the margins, right? I mean, if we're assuming that the Big 10 is not going to do anything for a few years at least. And I, I don't think the Big Ten is going to do anything until Notre Dame makes a decision on what it's doing, right? So if you take away the potential for Oregon and Washington to go to the Big Ten, uh, I would say the difference in the two leagues is, is, is mostly on the margins. For both leagues, they need to hold the teams they've got, right? Perhaps the Big 12 could lose two teams and, and be fine. But for the Pac-12, does it need to expand to survive because the SEC expanded, the Big Ten expanded, the Big 12 then expanded, right? Does the Pac-12 need to expand to survive, or are they content, at least for the moment, with the 10? Well, you know, the, big, the SEC and Big Ten expanded from positions of strength, right? The Big 12 expanded from a position of weakness because it had lost Texas and Oklahoma. Yes. The Pac-12 would be doing the same, right? So the Big 12 and Pac-12 are closer aligned in that regard that they are than either is to the the Big Ten or SEC strategically. I happen to think that the big the Pac-12 should expand uh, for a couple of reasons. The main one is I think it needs to get San Diego State and have some kind of presence in Southern California. The area, you know, the the region is too important uh, recruiting wise to not have a school within 300 miles, right? You wouldn't see the Big 12 not having a school within 300 miles of Dallas. So I think they need to get San Diego State for that reason. But also, you know, uh, San Diego is a top 30 market. It's a bigger media market than Salt Lake. Uh, and if you get San Diego State, then the Big, the Big 12 doesn't get San Diego State if it had any designs on that. Um, so to me, the other issue is you need inventory, right? You need games to, to provide to your media partners. And you do that with more teams. So I, I think they should expand. Uh, I don't know if they will. Uh, I don't know if they're going to survive. But if they do survive, I don't know if they're going to expand. I think they should. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Along with San Diego State, who else is out there and available that would be attractive to the Pac-12? Well, I mean, you could go to Fresno. I don't know uh, how much value Fresno brings, you know, uh, it's, it's not technically part of the Sacramento media market, which is the 20th biggest media market in the country. Uh, Boise, I don't think, works on a bunch of levels. If I'm the Pac-12 and I need a 12th team, I'd go to SMU. Right? They're in the American, so they're easily gettable. They're not tied to the Big 12. 
Plus, it gives you a presence in Dallas if you're the Pac-12. It allows you to say, you know what, we are expanding geographically. We are uh, putting our flag in in Texas. Uh, you know, I don't know that SMU or San Diego State are value plays so much as they are stability and um, heft plays. Right? You get bigger. There's some value in getting bigger. That's the, the issue the Big Twelve is considering right now. Right? Do you get bigger just to get bigger, or do you only get bigger if you can make more money? It's a good question. One they they're currently asking, I'm sure, in the uh, in the offices right now. When you look at what the Pac-12 perhaps didn't do uh, a year ago, is uh, I think you've mentioned and we've been told conversations with teams to perhaps expand and they chose not to. Um, obviously, that move is looming large now. What do you think of sort of that indecision or decision not to? I guess. And was BYU ever in the mix there? Because we we were told by someone that. There were at least conversations had with BYU about a year ago with the Pac-12. Obviously, they didn't uh, go that direction. Yeah, and I don't know what – I don't know that there were conversations, and I certainly don't know what level, you know, those were held at if, if they were. Uh, I thought that if they were going to expand last year, they should have gone after Houston. Um, they didn't because they didn't feel like they could get any value. There were no schools that were going to increase the revenue for the existing 12 members. And you could say now, well, look, they should have done it. But the bottom line is USC and UCLA were not going to sign off on a business decision that resulted in them making less money, right? I mean, obviously the money, the money issue was pretty important to those two schools, as we have seen in the last three weeks. There's no way they were going to sign off on taking teams that were going to create smaller revenue shares. So I don't know, looking back, I don't, even if the Pac-12 knew what was going to happen – I don't know how they could have gotten it approved, right? I mean, if that's that's the issue, right? You need you need votes to to expand, and they were not going to get the votes from their two most valuable schools. I know that politically, and uh, certainly with uh, our social media driven world, the idea of BYU with Cal and Stanford in the same conference is a lot to digest. But I mean, strictly hypothetically speaking, would BYU if they did not go to the Big 12, and they went to the Pac-12, would that make a difference? If so, how, how much would that impact or strengthen the Pac-12 if BYU did go to the Pac-12 and not the Big 12? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming the big, that BYU is going to the Big 12. I don't know. You, maybe you guys have heard differently. But uh, I don't know that, that it would do a whole lot for the Pac-12. Right? It's already got the Salt Lake market with Utah. Um, so I don't, I don't really know that, that that's – that's an option. I think if the Pac-12 is going to get aggressive and try to expand and poach Big 12 teams, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it did, I would, I would assume that the Pac-12 is going to go after Houston uh, and TCU. Yeah. Now, for the record, to clarify, we have not heard anything of the sort. Just trying to get a gauge on you know, what, what kind of value the Pac-12 would put on BYU if the Cougars were an option. And so, uh, not, I don't think very much because they've already got the Salt Lake market. Uh, BYU, uh, you know, we all know what the Pac-12 presidents think of BYU in terms of uh, not only the religious affiliation, but just, you know, the, the way the school operates. Uh, the Big 12 was more, more accepting of it. Um, I, I, again, I think the Pac-12 is going to, if they try to be real aggressive, they're going to try to get the Dallas and Houston markets. 
With the Pac-12 right now at 10 teams as of 2024 in, in this moment, uh, do you feel like if, uh, you know, if Arizona and Arizona State or whatever were invited and accepted, uh, Big 12 invite or whatever, that that would mean the Pac-12 is eventually going to dissolve and other teams will want to just join the Big 12? Or do you feel like at that point they could still expand and still be okay if something like that happened? You know, I just don't see a scenario in which the Arizona schools go to the Big 12 and nobody else does. Mm. Well, why would the Arizona schools do that, right? That, that doesn't make sense to me. I think either there's going to be six or eight of them or there's going to be none of them. I don't, see, I don't think it's going to splinter to that degree, right? I mean, I, don't, I, I just can't see that possibility. I think, you know, if you're the Big 12, you go after, you know, the four-corner schools and Washington and Oregon. And Stanford and Cal, because I mean the Bay Area media market is number six in the country. It's still, that's valuable. I, I don't see a scenario in which the Big Twelve only were to take two. Which schools in the Pac-12 are feeling the most heat? That they're in the most precarious position here. Uh, Washington State and Oregon State, I think, are in very precarious positions. If the conference doesn't stay together, they're, you know, uh, they're probably going to the Mountain West at mm. best, right? Um, they're not part of a. I don't think that. They would be part of a package that goes to the Big 12. Um, you know, they need either Pac-12 to stay intact or stay intact and uh, align with the ACC in some kind of media deal or some some kind of merger with the Big 12 kind of resurfacing. It appears dead at this point. You never know. Yeah. But Oregon and Washington State are in – Oregon State and Washington State are in by far the most fragile situations. Sure. And just let me ask this one quick hitter. When do you anticipate that the Pac-12 will have an announcement on whatever their grant of rights and, and TV media deal is? I mean, I think it'll be one of – we'll see one of two scenarios play out, right? They're in the middle of their exclusive negotiated window with ESPN and Fox that ends on August 4th. So sometime in the first half of August, 10 days of August – uh, if there's no news that either we've got a new media deal or we've got a media deal and we're expanding, if there's no hard news in early August, then I would assume that they are going to take their football and basketball inventory to the open market, and that process could take months. I mean, it's possible we won't know till November or December what's going to happen. But either it's gonna, something is going to happen in early August or it's not going to happen probably for many months. John, we appreciate the time. Again, we know how busy you are. Hopefully you got a vacation after the USC-UCLA madness. And if, if not, hopefully there's something uh, in the near future for you. Thanks a lot for having me. You got a jam. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. As I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the very sharply dressed Jerem Jordan. I asked for the Bond, the James Bond. Uh, you went with the strong paisley blue jacket this year, bro. You know, I figured why not mix it up. Typically, you're the one wearing the loud jacket in this. So I'm yeah. like, eh, I'm going to go with the loud this jacket. Is this is real year. loud with paisley, though. Like, you're screaming at me. I like it. <laughs> why are you yelling? I'm at here me? for it. That's like when so your jacket is when someone texts in all caps. Like, that's what I feel like right now. I think this is what, the eighth year in a row we posted the Y Awards? Is it eight years in a I, row? I think we did five in a row with, with crowds, then COVID hit. And mm. then uh, we've done the last couple here on BYU Sports Nation. So. 
This is awesome. This is really fun. And we have argued that this was the best athletic year in the history of BYU sports. You're going to see that throughout the show, how awesome this last year was. Yeah, it's one thing to win an award, you know, and be great at the Y Awards, but to do it in this year, there's something special. If you it. win a Y Award this year, you're super legit. Yeah. Our show lineup features a wealth of top-tier talent. The who's who and the current construct of BYU sports. I'm not going to tell you the specific guest lineup just yet because, frankly, I don't want to spoil anything. There's a spoiler-free environment. But I will say this. It includes record breakers, national champion, six-time All-American, siblings that are sure to entertain thousands, and more. Who's the team of the year? Who are the male and female athletes of the year? We're going to find out, but before we get to the awards, three headlines to mention from the last 24 hours. Puka Nakua is on the Blitnikoff Award watch list given to the nation's top receiver. Congrats, he's about to have 1,000 yards. Mm -hmm. Ashley Hatch wins an ESPY last night for Best National Women's Soccer League Player, second Cougar ever to win an ESPY, Jim Fredette in 2011. Nice. Amazing. And Courtney Wayman took 12th in the Steeplechase World Track and Field Championships last night in Eugene, Oregon. Congratulations to all three. The first of many congrats today, so all rise and shout. It's time to hand out the Y Awards, and we begin with the 2022 Female Athlete of the Year. Your nominees are Michaela Coulihan Clough of women's soccer. Coulihan was named the Top Drawer Soccer National Player of the Year after scoring 18 goals in 2021, second most in the country. Had 16 assists as well. Coulihan finished her BYU tenure with 53 goals, second most in program history, while leading the Cougars to their first ever College Cup and National Championship game appearance. What a year. One of the best players in BYU history, if not the best. Violet Zavodnik softball. She had 399 overall of the league in RBIs, hits, homers, 19 in fact, and route to a 42 and 10 overall record, 18 and 4 in West Coast Conference play. Unbelievable. Whitney Orton, who, by the way, won this category in 2020, representing cross country and track and field, became BYU's first ever female winner of the cross country national championship and did so by running the second fastest time in division one title history. Six time All-American along with teammate Connor Mance make up the first men's and women's duo winners from the same school since 1988. That was a fun day. And Courtney Wayman, track and field, another past winner of this award in 2021. She kept off her brilliant BYU career with her third NCAA championship, this time in the steeplechase and made the final, as we mentioned, in the World Athletics Championships earlier yesterday. Shaley Gonzalez of Women's Basketball, the Player of the Year in the West Coast Conference, helped the Cougars to a program-best 26-4 record this past season, team's highest ranking in school history. Gonzalez averaged over 18 points a game and was named an honorable mention AP All-American. Miss you already. Kenzie Kerber, Women's Volleyball, the three-time All-American at Utah, made it an All-American season again at BYU. Leading the Cougars to the Sweet 16, she won West Coast Conference Player of the Year, leading the team with 364 kills and a handful of energy. This list is unbelievable. There's so many nominees here. <laughs> I love this category. It continues with Ashton Reiner of Track and Field. She won the Women's Javelin title, winning throw of 58.24 meters on her opening attempt, no less. The first ever Javelin national title in BYU history and the first women's field title for the Cougars since 1992. So with that illustrious list, your winner is Michaela Coulihan. Well done, Michaela. Tough to pick a winner in that elite group, Jeremy. Literally any of those uh, female athletes could have won this award. This was an unbelievable showing from women's sports at BYU this year. I mean, there wasn't a weak link, and all of these individuals were amazing. Michaela Coulihan, I, th I believe, is the best player in BYU women's soccer history. Shauna Robach was prior to this, 
But that year and where they went and how she did it, unbelievable. Yeah, unprecedented. And she's the complete player, right? She can not do it all. Not just a goal She scorer. can do it all. Now, I recently spoke with the budding professional about uh, this award and much more. Here's that conversation. Kayla, what a year for BYU women's athletics as a whole, from soccer to volleyball, cross country, women's basketball. I mean, all were performing at such a high level. So it's one thing to be the female athlete of the year, but to do it in this last year when things were at an all-time high, what does that mean to you to be the female athlete of the year in such an incredible women's sports year? I mean, yeah, wow, that's crazy. Like you said, it's been an incredible year for BYU women's sports as a whole, and to even be listed among some of those other athletes is, is humbling in itself. And so to be recognized like that, it's just, it's, it's really rewarding. And it just makes me happy to be able to have been in that, that stage and kind of be recognized with all those other amazing athletes. Well, not surprisingly, based on your year individually, you were one of the top players in the country on the Matt Herman trophy finalist list. Your team goes to its first ever college cup national championship match. How would you sum up everything that happened for you individually and as a team? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a crazy year, I think, because it was my last COVID year, my, my for sure final year, you know, season. Um, it was kind of just like, let's go for it. Last season, um, all in, just wanted to give it my all. And the team was really successful. And it was just super fun to be a part of. And I always wanted to I always said that I wanted to take Jed to a national championship and uh, I was really happy that we were able to accomplish that and make it there and play on the biggest stage. And, and it was just an incredible year. I mean, really it was everything with that team and those girls being a lot of my best friends. Like it was everything that I could ask for. We're adding to your individual accolades, obviously with this Y award and featuring you on BYU sports nation, when you're receiving those things and those honors are starting to fly in, how do you manage that and still kind of stay the course? Because it's easy to get distracted. Um, yeah, I think I always feel like awards are kind of just a reflection of how successful the team is. And, um, when you have a really successful team, individuals start to get recognized as well. And so, I mean, I'm honored to, to be able to receive this type of award. Like I said, it's really humbling, but, um, really it's just, I don't get these kinds of awards without a team that, that makes it to the highest level and is as successful as we were this past year. So it's really mostly a tribute to the team, and, and I'm just lucky to be a part of it. What's your message to the other finalists? Because they include a handful of national champions, notably Ashton Reiner and Courtney Wayman and Whitney Orton. Well, honestly, they're just as much, if not more, deserving of this award than I am because to watch all their careers play out and see the success that they've had has been awesome. And I love watching each of them perform at their different um, sports and and it's just fun to all kind of be playing at the highest level together in each of our individual sports and and really congratulate each of them as well for being finalists how did you find out that you were the y award recipient <laughs> uh just now when you just told me <laughs> <laughs> oh it's fantastic hey we, we leave the drama right for the moment right I know you got the raw reaction, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Uh, everybody wants to know what's going on in your career as well. We know that you're playing with the United States women's national team, the under 21 squad. You're with the Orlando pride in the national women's soccer league. Uh, what's next for you in, in pro soccer and with team USA? Yeah. So it's kind of just uh, one day at a time. Um, we're in the middle of the season with Orlando right now. And, and, uh, 
we're, tr- we're starting to get things to fall into place a little bit more here. And, and so I'm just trying to make any kind of, uh, you know, make any kind of adjustments that I need to, to be successful at this level and contribute to the team on a lot of different fronts and wherever I'm called upon, I I'm ready to, to do so. And then with the national team, we have friendlies. Um, we don't have, I don't know the specific date or location of the next one, but we just barely returned back from Sweden. We played against Sweden and India. Um, and that was a really cool experience. It's really awesome. Anytime you have the chance to play with the national team and play amongst the best players in the country. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. Hope, hopefully we'll continue to be successful and, and perform, and, and hopefully I'll be able to uh, eventually play for the full national team. Uh, speaking of the national team, this will be our final question. Uh, you're playing against Ashley Hatch, who's in the NWSL, Cameron Tucker, your former teammate. Have you crossed paths with them? And if so, what was that like? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Anytime you get to see a, a former teammate or, or a former Coug, it's fun to – connect um it's like you're playing against them but you kind of almost are cheering for them at the same time but uh every time that I get to play one of them it's super fun especially Cam being my really best friend and, and really good teammate um it's fun to kind of play against each other and we always are hanging out after the games and there's always seems to be BYU fans wherever we're playing too and so they always want to kind of get us together and take pictures with us or or whatever so it, it's really fun to play against them and see them and see their success as well. Kaylee, congratulations on all your success professionally. Of course, at BYU, taking the team to a place that had never been in the College Cup and the National Championship. And we wish you the best on your future pro career. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. The Kayla Coolahan Club. Sometimes you find out when you talk to Spencer what the uh, news is about. That happens. So that's <laughs> awesome. We move on now to the male rookie of the year, the nominees. We begin with Campbell Barrington, football, six foot six, 295 pounder from Spokane. Or Barrington, the younger, yes. was a freshman All American and started six games for BYU's top 10 offense. Tanner Nelson, swim and dive, broke two school records while competing in the men's national championships. He earned those milestones and career-high times in the 400-yard individual medley and the 1650 freestyle. They swim that far? Fusini Traude, men's basketball. Foos! Started most of the season with injuries to veterans Gavin Baxter and Richard Harwood, averaging 9.6 points a game, 8.4 rebounds. Highlighted by a 25.19 rebound performance against Pepperdine in February. You take that, Willie the Wave. Ozzie Pratt of BYU Baseball, the West Coast Conference all-freshman team member, appeared in 48 games, made 39 starts largely in place of injured star Andrew Pintar, and was top five on his team in hits and stolen bases while batting 288. Nice. Kenneth Rooks, track and field, the freshman from Walla Walla, Washington. Onion rings! Was part of the MPSF men's distance medley relay title winning team in the indoor season. Outdoor season, he took sixth place in the steeplechase, first team All-American, just a year removed from his mission, Whoa. running the second best time in team history. And the winner is... Boosh! Freshman from Mali started 21 games, 11 10-plus rebound games, second most for any freshman in BYU history. Spence, he's a huge part of the team next year. He is a starter for sure. He's the dude. He needs to be the alpha. So You think uh, he needs to be the alpha? I like that. He needs to be the alpha. Let's go. Let's no go, pressure, man. Foose. <laughs> Giddy up. On to the assistant coach of the year. Your nominees are Nicholas Aranis of track and field. 
Nicholas played a significant role in a record-breaking national championship-laden season for the Cougars. He coaches the throws for the men's and women's track and field teams, including the number one-ranked javelin thrower in the country, Ashton Reiner. David Hyatt, women's volleyball. He was a major part of the Sweet 16 squad that only lost two matches all season. Cougars finished ranked ninth. Johnny Neely of women's volleyball, not to be outdone by Mr. Hyatt. The other primary assistant for Heather Olmsted in BYU women's volleyball in another top 10 Sweet 16 season. Steve Magleby, women's soccer. He assisted the Cougars en route to its first NCAA College Cup ever, ending in penalty kicks in the national title game. Todd Miller of BYU Golf helped guide the BYU men's golf team to a big-time resurgence and a heralded spot in the national championship round of Division I golf. He also coached the NCAA West Regional medalist Carson Lundell. And your winner is for Assistant Coach of the Year, Nicholas Aranis. Okay. Aranius. Aranius. It's all good. Tremendous, right? Ashton Reiner is a tremendous uh, athlete. It helps when you have an Olympian coach, right? Nicholas Aranius represented Sweden. Uh, obviously, he's had brothers and uh, family compete at uh, BYU. It, helps to ha- it always helps when you have an Olympian coach. And then at Eystone's an Olympian as well. So just chuck full of those. Guys. Yeah, just win, just win Olympic. Uh, well, whatever. Not medals, but just be an Olympian, right? Be an Olympian. Just be an Olympian. You got some street cred, okay? <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio C, and joining us now over Zoom is one of the four recent draftees into the major leagues out of BYU baseball, a star bat cat. He is Andrew Pintar, better known as Penny. Welcome back to the show, Penny. Thanks. Thanks, you guys, for having me. You awesome got, being here. Congratulations uh, from us here in Studio C and all of BYU Sports Nation on being drafted in the fifth round. Fifth round, baby. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive considering you were injured for a large part of the year. So what was your reaction to hearing your name and getting that call in the fifth round? Yeah, so, you know, talking with my agent, you know, we were kind of we were kind of planning on going Monday. Um, obviously, that was a lot sooner than we expected with my situation. Um but overall, we're just, you know, me and my family, my wife, we're super grateful for my, this opportunity, you know, and it just, it happened so fast, um, but we couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity. You played in 17 games, you get hurt. It was a massive bummer uh, for all of us that watch BYU baseball because you're such a good player. What was it that the Diamondbacks maybe talked to you about? Because they probably relied on the film from the year before mostly, right? Because um, he hit 209 and 17 games. These aren't the most flashy numbers because uh, you're a great player, but they still loved you enough to go in the fifth round. Yeah, so I talked to them a lot in the fall, a um, little bit into the spring. But basically all they really went off of was last year's numbers um, when I was healthy. Um, but, you know, their, their kind of game plan moving forward is, you know, they feel comfortable enough with my injury, you know, my, my shoulder surgery I had three months ago. Um, they feel good enough with it, with rehabbing me back and getting me healthy by next year. So, that, you know, that's kind of my plan moving forward. I head out tomorrow, um, and I'll just start rehabbing with them. So, Okay, so it is a very quick start here. You leave tomorrow yeah. for Arizona. Uh, how do you feel about your fit with the Diamondbacks and that organization? You know, it, it, it feels like a great fit for me. You know, if I'm talking to a lot of people, um, you know, they've, they've told me that as well that the Diamondbacks is going to be a great fit for me. You know, my agents, they also say that. Um, and it's kind of a plus being, 
you know, only 10 hours north of Arizona and it's a quick drive home. You know, it's really close. Family can come visit, you know. Um, so I think it's a great fit for me. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity from them. You know, I, I can't thank them enough. And, you know, everyone who's gotten to this point. So there is an option to play another year at BYU, but it sounds like you're going. In the fifth round, that signing bonus is probably really good. Uh, did you feel like because it was the fifth round, hey, you got to take this opportunity right now? What went into your decision to accept that draft pick? You know, obviously, like I said, we weren't really expecting to go maybe that high. We were expecting to go a little bit later on, on Monday. But, you know, they put an offer out that I think we just couldn't pass up. Um, you know, and obviously being from, you know, being close to Arizona, you know, spring trains down there. We just figured it was a great fit for me and my family. So um, that's kind of what helped me, you know, make our decision, you know, really easy. So Andrew Pintar is on BYU Sports Nation. He's headed to the Arizona Diamondbacks after being taken in the fifth round. If you can, paint the picture of where you were and what was happening when you found out that they had picked you. Yeah, so um, I was at my uh, my family's house. We, me and my wife just lived down the road from my my parents. So we went down to my parents with my family and we were just kind of sitting on the couch, just, you know, watching, you know, the rounds go by, um, you know, it started on noon on Monday and they just started cruising through the rounds, um, pick after pick. And, you know, it was like 45 minutes after the draft started, I get a call from my agent saying, Hey, you're going to be a diamondback. You know, they called and made a great offer. Um, and basically just told me I was going in the fifth round. So me and my family just prepared and, you know, they took a bunch of videos, um, when they announced it, but, you know, it just was an awesome experience for me and my family and my wife to experience that. And, you know, I, like I said, just we're just super grateful for the opportunity. Penny, you're a pretty even keel guy, you know, like you don't show a ton of emotion when you play the game. What were your emotions like when you got off the phone? Did you lose your mind? Like what was it pure jubilation? It just yeah, I just couldn't really believe it. It was just as crazy. It's like all that hard work you put in over the year. You know, I feel like. For me, I feel like there's been so much bad luck with me, two shoulder surgeries. Um, you know, we were due for some good luck, and I just can't thank them enough for the opportunity. Um, so I just, we are so excited. Um, but now, you know, now it's over. Now we move on. And now I got to keep getting healthy for next year. How about four picks total from this team, including, uh, you know, fellow Spanish fork Don Cy Nielsen? That was awesome, man. What do you think of that? Yeah, that was awesome. I, you know, I texted him right when it happened when he got drafted. I was super excited for him. Um, you know, this is, you know, a day of me and him have both been dreaming about for a while. And I'm sure the other two guys that got drafted, Nate and Coop, you know, and there could have been even more on this list. Um, we had a bunch of great guys on our team from last year that were draft eligible. Um, we had a really good team. And I'm really excited for the team going back this year. They're going to be really good this year as well. Let's talk about that with a, a new now official head coach in Trent Pratt. Uh, you knew Coach Mike Littlewood very well. He recruited you heavily, but Trent uh, was certainly involved in that, and Brent Herring, among others. What do you think of the shape of BYU baseball as they enter a new era under the new head coach, Trent Pratt? You know, I think they're in great shape. You know, I, we, we really pushed for Trent to get the head coaching job. We knew it was right for the, the program. You know, we knew – we know he's going to be taking it in great places, um, as well as the rest of the coaching staff. I mean, they're, they're some of the best around, you know. If it wasn't for them, I, you know, I would have never been to BYU. They gave me the opportunity to come. Um, um, I'm just super grateful for them. Um, but for sure, Trent's going to be a great head coach, as well as his assistant. BYU's in great, in great hands. 
When you say you pushed, did you go to the administration and say, hey, here's our opinion? Yeah, a group of us guys, um, really, we went and talked to the administration and said, hey, you know, we, we truly believe Trent's, you know, the best for this job. Um, we know he's ready to be a head coach. You know, we all have great relationships with him as well as the assistants. Um, you know, just that whole coaching staff's great. And they just made a new hire for the pitching coach. And I'm sure he's going to be great as well. So I'm just super happy to see, you know, where BYU baseball goes now. Have you familiarized yourself with all of the minor league affiliates that are related with the Arizona Diamondbacks? And is there, is there one that, uh, that has a nickname or a mascot that you're most excited about potentially playing for? I haven't really dove, dove too deep into it. I just know they're mostly on the West Coast, which is good. You know, I think there's one in California, one up in Oregon, yep. one in Texas, and then I think AAA is down in, uh, it's over in Reno, Nevada. So um, I haven't really familiarized, like, the names, but um, I'm sure I will soon. You know, my situation is a little bit different, obviously. I'm just heading out to go um, rehab with, you know, the team down in spring training. So, At some point, Penny, I hope for your sake and for our sake, you're playing for the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Well, and the Vesalia Raja. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be awesome. And if you, uh, when you play for the Reno Aces, you come to Salt Lake. You know, That's right. You play. Great stuff. It'll yeah, be awesome, man. Sure. Congrats. Congrats on everything. Congratulations again. Thanks it. for hanging out with us. We'll be following your career closely. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play is a little bit dressed up today. Yeah, this is uh, normally we're pretty dressed down. Today it feels pretty <laughs> fancy, so uh, let's go. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Now for the awards given out to athletes whose enthusiasm and outstanding performance have given extra excitement to the crowds they compete in front of. We begin this next segment with the male crowd pleaser. Your nominees are Fusini Traore of men's basketball. Foos. Foos. Back for more, the man flirted with a double-double average on the season, 9.6 points a game, 8.4 rebounds per game, and excited crowds with non-stop toughness, block shots, and thunderous dunks. The key was his squat peak. John Stanley, men's volleyball. The junior had 10 aces off the bench, always created a buzz in the arena when he entered the match. Sometime I'd have my head down and look over, and I'd be like, I think John's coming in because the crowd is reacting. Great enthusiasm for that team. The Nakua brothers, Samson and okay. Puka, repping football. This immediate impact dynamic duo proved instrumental in leading BYU to another 10-win season, six power five wins, and a top 20 finish in the AP rankings. Their bevy of highlight real plays, Jerem, lit up opposing defenses, cemented them as crowd favorites. 64 total catches combined, 1,100 yards receiving, and nine touchdowns. Zach McWhorter, track and field, once known for his viral video, if you know, you know. McWhorter broke his own school record three times and finished sixth and uh, first team All-American at Nationals in the pole vault. And the winner is, or should I say winners are, the Nakua Brothers! Oh, nice! Samson Nakua now joins us live in Studio C. What's up, Samson? Samson's here. My man. Very nice. Sure. How we doing, brother? Good. Congratulations. Thank Entering you, the you. ranks of Y Award winner. Now, you're have rep- we had a duo like that before? You're, you're I've been watching the show for 15 the years. brothers here. Yes. Now, clearly the elite brother showed up for this, right? Captain America, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> so what does it mean to you to win an award like this and make an impact like that after just one season with BYU? Uh, honestly, it's 
awesome because it wasn't just me and it wasn't just Puka. Um, I think we fed off a lot of Kalani's um, energy and um, what he brings to this team and to the crowd and to all of Cougar Nation was something that me and my brother could feed off, even though we had a really good energy ourselves. It was something that we could feed off knowing coach is going to back us up, getting penalties, going around screaming with the crowd. And um, to come and do it one year was amazing. The crowd was unreal. Mm. Being playing under the lights, under it was just a surreal feeling. And it was just awesome being part of this. You guys would celebrate by slapping each other in the head. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I don't have a helmet on right now yeah. <laughs> to celebrate this win. But what was it like for you to transfer from Utah and then be on the BYU team that beat Utah? Emotionally, that had to be interesting. Oh, it was, I'm undefeated in the, the, whole, <laughs> the whole war. I'm undefeated and it's been awesome. It was crazy when me and Puka first came and uh, thought about coming, we we're like, hey, it's time for, you know, a new change for BYU. There's, there's something that's been going on. Like, we got to be the ones to help, you know, break, break it. And uh, to come in and do it was, it wasn't just us. It was the whole team did it, and we balled out, and it was just awesome. I don't know how to explain the feeling. It was just crazy. And I was told that it, it takes a minute to learn a playbook, right? So certain plays in the Utah game, they said, okay, Samson, you know that route. Go and run that one. And the touchdown you caught was one of those routes, yes, right? Yes, exactly. We were practicing all week, and they're like, all right, we'll, we'll see, like, because Neil was uh, main, the main guy for it and then ended up getting hurt a bit um, from the first game. And so I got to practice throughout the week with it. That's right. He sprained his ankle. Yeah, and That's then right. they gave me the opportunity, and Coach called, and I was like, I've been practicing. I'm ready. Let's do this. And right when um, I seen it was just one man-on-man -on -man coverage, I was like, I know I'm about to score, and it's about to go. be crazy. Right? How you, about that you coaching ID? and execution in right? that moment? Like, we know you know that. You can do it. Um, did you did you ID the uh, the cornerback? Did you know him? Yeah, I did. JT, and you, Ryan. And you knew his skill set for me. Yeah. You that always helps. I was like, play a little slow, dumb it down a little bit, and then you know, burst out of it, and it worked perfectly. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so what? is your favorite catch from the season? Because we're talking about the touchdown catch against Utah. You had the too small moment <laughs> against Boise State. Great catch for a touchdown, a long bomb against Virginia. What's your favorite catch from the season? It has to be Utah. That, that touchdown against an old team like that, um, to come in and beat a, a streak like that and then have the whole crowd after come in and then – what is it, storm the field? Yeah. It was unreal. The whole stadium, <laughs> everything about that game, that touchdown was just yeah. absolutely unreal. I was in the press box trying to get down to the field after, and I could not. Like, I, I swear I walked around for half an hour. Oh, to it took me like it was three so hours after the game to get back to the locker room. Wow. <laughs> I get back to the locker room, everyone's gone already. That's oh amazing. <laughs> three hours, that's crazy. Okay, so uh, tell us about what's in store for you next uh, as you try and make the Colts squad. Yep. Um, tomorrow I head out back to Indy, prepare for preseason, and um, – do what I do best and just make plays and go out and help the team whatever way possible. So I'm excited for that. I've been training and ready, and um, I've had guys here at BYU helping me preparing to get back there, and then my older siblings helping me too. So it's been really fun, and I'm excited to make it happen. Let's go. That, that's dedication on your part, knowing what's uh, in store for you tomorrow to come in and do this show. Yeah, we appreciate live. it, man. And oh, best of luck you. in Indy. Yes, let's sir. Go. Thank you guys for having me. Let's go, Cougar Nation. Samson Austin Nakua. Holly, and now Samson Nakua with the Colts. Let's, let's go. Let's yeah. go. Uh, the let's Nakua go. brothers. I mean, we should give Puka a little bit of love too. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. I mean, he's the one celebrating, slapping me in the head. I'm a little concussed from it, but <laughs> thankfully he's not here to hit me in the head. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just practicing with the team. He's whatever. He's yeah, practicing. Whatever. Whatever. We will crazy. allow it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Samson. Congratulations, man. Thank you, guys. Okay, now for the female crowd pleaser of the year, here are the nominees. Right. Violent Zavodnik's so good, she's up for another award. Mm -hmm. Had a 19-homer sound with the softball team, led the league in RBI, hits and homers. West Coast Conference Player of the Year, right? Well, she got the shaft. We all know she's the best player in the world. Malarkey! She's one of the top 50 players in the country as well. 
Paisley Harding, women's basketball, set a BYU school record for games played of the 146, finished number six in history of the program, mm. with almost 2,000 points scored, averaged over 17 per game last season. All West Coast Conference first team honors for the third straight year, helping BYU to a 26-4 record and a six seed in the NCAA tournament. Cameron Tucker, women's soccer, the super senior scored 16 goals, eight assists to earn third team All-American en route to the national championship game. She tied a school record with four goals, four goals. against St. Mary's. And the winner is Cameron Tucker. Yes, Cam. Cameron Tucker. Her most important goal was the winner at top seed Virginia in Sweet 16, the team that knocked the Cougars out the year before. That was a great goal, one that rocketed BYU to a surprise home game in the Elite Eight against South Carolina before going to the College Cup. Heck of a run. Big-time goal scorer. It was great to have two superstars for BYU women's soccer. And now they're both playing professionally in the National Women's Soccer League, joining Ashley Hatch. Gotham FC, like the coolest name of the really cool. team in the world. All right, let's roll out the 2022 BYU Comeback Athlete of the Year. Your nominees are Cassidy Smith, women's soccer. The seventh-year senior overcame yep. and fought through a rash of injuries to play an instrumental part in making history for that team. She net-minded for the Cougars en route to a first-ever College Cup and National Championship appearance, including making a stop in the shootout with Santa Clara to send the Cougars to the national title match. Incredible stuff. Sadie Minor Van Tassel Gymnastics, the senior was the MRGC Gymnast of the Year, vault specialist, first team on bars, floor, and all-around, finishing ranked 15th in the all-around nationally. She did it all as the Cougars went to NCAA region. Cole Gamble of BYU Baseball returned from injury in 2022 to, to appear in 33 games total, hit six home runs, drove in 29 runs, and helped BYU back into the West Coast Conference postseason tournament for the first time since 2019. Anik each women's golf. She had six top 15 finishes, including a win at the Texas State Invitational, runner-up of the West Coast Conference Championships as the Cougars went to NCAA Regionals again. Ashton Reiner, track and field. She's making another appearance on a nominee list after her Javelin National Championship in Eugene, Oregon. Again, she's the first ever Javelin National title winner in BYU history. Represents the first women's field title for the Cougars since 1992. And the winner is Ashton Reiner. Why not? You won a national championship. Let's just go ahead and add a Y award to it. I would think you get a Y award automatically if you win an ad, right? <laughs> like, that's just automatic. Well, it's been such a good year, you might not. Yeah, and, and what's awesome is... Um, she has several throws, right? But her first throw is the win that wins her the national championship. Yes. She was ready for the event. First throw, bang, Natty. Love it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Yesterday, Pete Thamel of ESPN reported that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 ended all discussions regarding the potential of a partnership after two weeks of extensive talks. According to multiple sources, Big 12 officials told Pac-12 officials they're no longer interested in exploring the partnership. After USC and UCLA announced their relocation to the Big 10, reports came out that the Big 12 was in deep talks with multiple teams from the Pac-12, including Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Washington, and Oregon. So now that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are not going to merge, does this set up the time for the Big 12 to go and poach four teams from the Pac-12? Uh, yes, absolutely. And I think that it was made clear by our Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormack, that we are open for business. I mean, he said that and said, we're not going to leave any stone unturned. 
whatever team is going to come in and bring value or that we see would bring value in terms of media value and viewership and all of that, then we are going to explore those options. And I think whether they're going to poach or just maybe find the right fit if teams come towards them, I don't know that you consider it a poaching if a team's coming and saying, hey, we're open to talking right now. Let's yeah. figure out, you know. But there has to be an aspect of what else can help. And I think that the Big 12 ultimately – Ideal situation is a 16-team, an 18-team, where it's a more balanced, healthier with the departure of Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. It's going to be healthier. It's going to be more balanced. But can we maybe go after four to six? That's why they don't need to merge. I mean, it was pretty clear. They did not need to merge when they can go after four to six teams from the Pac-12. This is a setback for the Pac-12. They're trying to for figure sure. out how to stay alive. Um, they can't go out and find other teams to, to, to try and replace USC. Um, Boise State is not going to do it. Maybe San Diego no, State. They're not going to do yes. it. Um, and, and, and to get a TV deal, they don't have Los Angeles. And, uh, and the, 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 they're in a struggle here. And so I think this Big 12 merger idea was a way for them to go, you know, we can, we can keep everybody together. We can get a big TV deal from ESPN coming up. The other players seem to be out of the mix. Um, so this is a slap in the face to the Pac-12, the Big 12 going, you know what? We looked at you. We studied the situation. We're not interested. We might be interested in Washington and Oregon and two other schools. I'm not sure who those other two would be. Mm -hmm. Utah likes to think they would be one of them. The Arizona schools think they both would be in there. Colorado's close by. I'm not sure what Colorado brings, but they're right next door. Um, and I think this morning the Pac-12 is like going, all right, let's go to plan G. We're down to plan G is to try and figure out how to convince ESPN to give us a big enough media package to hold everybody together when everybody seems to be now going, what's in the best interest of me moving forward? And that's detrimental to this conference. And ultimately, I mean, the media value is going to drive everything, right? And so... The next few weeks are crucial for the Pac-12 because of the negotiations that are currently going on with ESPN, with Fox, to try to figure out, can we add more value? Can we up that deal for the teams that are remaining? So right now they're portraying that we're going to stand together. There's a portrayal. What you have to. Right, right. right the, the 10 teams remaining. But if that deal is not sweetened at all, I think you're going to see more departures. And if you're the Mountain West Conference, you just sit there and go, Hmm, okay, I wonder if we're going to add. Are we going to be the adding? Are we going to get Washington State, Oregon State, yeah. Cal, Stanford, or, yeah, or, or is Boise State and San Diego State, maybe yeah. Fresno State? But the, the thing is that they don't, they don't bring a punch with them to save the Pac-12, um, whereas the departures of the Pac-12 would boost, boost the Mountain West. Uh, and Utah's got to be thinking... Um, okay, it's not the Big Ten, it's not the SEC, we're not combining with the Big 12, the ACC's too far away, what's in it for us? And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they are not on the phone, and I'm sure they have been already with the Big 12 going, um, hey, if you move this way, count us in, because there's nothing left over Absolutely. here. Because you know Oregon and Washington are like, we got to get out of this well, place. Well, they're thinking one, two, three steps ahead. And if you, if you have to promise that you won't leave for a certain period of time, uh, these land rights deals... Um, you're going to have a hard time getting uh, all those Pac-12 schools to stay on board going, yeah, take our rights for, for the next 15 years. When, when you know Oregon's like, uh, we've already said we want to be over there and we're willing to be over here. And we'll only stay here if we have to. Uh, how do you do a deal with that? You're with able that to negotiate for more money too, right? Yeah. I mean, position yourself by staying or leaving, and it's, it's the money value that we're talking about. It's like someone saying, I'll be married to you uh, just until something better comes along. Yeah. So I really want you to be plan, committed to me. Plan B, wife B. <laughs>
Yes. In other news yesterday, Dennis Dodd reported, and this is really interesting, that Notre Dame would like to remain independent if they can earn at least $75 million annually from their current broadcast partner, NBC. The current broadcast deal is set to expire in 2035. Now, here's the challenge for Notre Dame. They currently make about $22 million a year annually. They want to get to $75. They're at $22. Dodd's report suggests NBC is seeking shoulder programming from a Power Five conference to play games before and or after Notre Dame games, which is typically 3.30 Eastern time, the regular afternoon block. Um, so they want a Power Five conference to join them and give them games. And he reported that the Big 12 has emerged as, quote, a strong option to fill NBC's shoulder programming needs. Would you like to see the Big 12 partner with NBC and Notre Dame in a future TV deal? And would that be strong enough to make you really the number three power conference? Right. Anytime Notre Dame is involved, I think it's a good deal. Because they are a storied program. They have proven they can stand alone on their history, their culture, their winning. They can really play any team they want. Any team wants to play them and then right. be covered, right? Mm -hmm. Networks want to cover them. They will have enough eyeballs on their game to drive that up, the value, the media value. So I see all but good from this if there is a joint deal somehow with that shoulder programming. I think it's good for BYU if Notre Dame stays independent because uh, if they go into the Big Ten, which is probably where they would go because that's where the most money appears to be, um, then the Big Ten's going to take somebody else, so they have an even number, and that just causes more shifting and, and more moving. But if they stay independent, and then they say, you know what, I want to put my arm around the Big 12. I've already got five ACC games that i got to play, but you know what, NBC needs another game on Saturday. They just have the one. If Notre Dame's not on, there's no college football on NBC. So they've been kind of quiet for a while, putting all their money in the Olympics. Um, well... Maybe they have some money to spend. And if this is a way for Notre Dame to say, let's make Saturday more valuable to NBC. And get a couple games. And we'll be the, the main event. Yes. But we need an undercard. Yeah. Um, and then maybe NBC goes, okay, you know what? That's, that gives us seven hours of football on Saturday. That's different than three and a half. <laughs> and so up goes the price. Absolutely. But you're right. Notre Dame gets the, like we've seen in this game in Las Vegas, they set the ticket prices, they sell the tickets at that price. Fans can complain. They're too high. They're certainly much higher than, than BYU's used to seeing. But you know what? Every ticket's going to be sold for the game. That's how Notre Dame works. And, uh, and that's why they get cut into the playoff. Hey, you're not in a conference, but you know what? If you win a certain number of games, we'll put you in the mix for the college football playoff. Right, right. No one else gets that because no one else aspect, is them. Dave. Here's the other aspect. Let's say that this does come together, right, the shoulder program. Now would there be a potential home game for BYU and Notre Dame? <laughs> Let's not even go there. That, that just, I don't think that's well, ever in the cards. But, but why not? Why I'm wouldn't saying, there be? There's a higher possibility if that does work out. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Okay, Jerem, like I said, we're coming out firing today. The Big 12 and the Pac-12. I know a lot of BYU fans feel like the Big 12 is clearly in a more secure position than the Pac-12 just based on the number of teams alone. But we need to dive deeper. Do teams alone mean you're in a better spot? We need to dive deeper. Which conference is in a quote-unquote better position right now? Is it the Big 12 or is it the Pac-12? Seems, seems like it's the Big 12. That's my opinion. But uh, recently the pendulum has swung in the conversation about conference realignment, including from John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, who will join us in the, 
the next uh, next segment. He is basically the media voice of the Pac-12. Like he covers the league more than anybody else at at the highest level. He's the Pac-12 insider. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And broke the news, like you mentioned, of USC and, and UCLA to the Big Ten. So it's not a unanimous feeling that that, that the Big 12 is the uh, uh, the conference in a better position. In fact, John Wilner said this uh, yesterday. Two things equally true. One, the Pac-12 schools are together until they aren't. Mm-hmm. Two, the Big 12 isn't as valuable to potential media partners as the Pac-12's upheaval makes it appear. Mm. Interesting. Also adds, none of the people who actually know what they're talking about in the media rights space think there will be a significant difference between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. That's interesting. And their valuations, essentially how much money they're going to get. So they're going to come in, they think, at a similar number. Similar. And none will approximate the Big Ten and the SEC. They just won't. (laughs) Okay. They just won't. As you mentioned, we'll talk to John Wilner next segment. Can't wait for that. Stuart Mandel, also a friend of the program, said, The Pac-12 is the league more recently rated, but it still has the two most valuable brands in either league, in Oregon and Washington. And the Pac-12 has a TV deal coming up a year sooner. They're negotiating right now until August 4th. He adds, the ability to provide 10.30 p.m. Eastern games every week because they're largely on the West Coast. Well, we're used to that time. Not clear to me, says Stewart, why the Big 12 thinks it's better off on its own. As opposed to adding Pac-12 teams, right? So this is interesting. So to answer your question. Yeah, again, which conference is the better position? I do believe the Big 12 is... Because the Pac-12 is just rated, so it feels like there's a cavity there. But if the Pac-12 is all together, which at the moment seems like they are, then they're okay. They can survive. Will they thrive, though? I don't think so. I think the Big 12 needs a couple of Pac-12 teams to compete for third among the five. Like, the ACC feels like it's in a good spot. Because it's back east, because they've got Clemson. They've got a TV deal till the year 2089. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 35, 36 realistically, <laughs> right? But, like, ACC feels like it's in a good spot. Being on the east coast, more advantageous financially than the west coast from a TV perspective, right? So it, it really is interesting because, uh, and I've been gone and, and, yeah, hearing everyone's opinions. I want the, the option of Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, Colorado in the Big 12 now you've secured west of the Mississippi, essentially. Now like, you're the third 16-team conference. Right. Let's do it. And there is strength in numbers. There, yes. You do need quality. Like, there is, there is this thought, and we'll talk about it later in, in the whip round, about uh, someone saying, hey, BYU and San Diego State to the Pac-12. So it's like, wait, isn't, hasn't that ship sailed with BYU? We were told about a year ago that the Pac-12 was talking to BYU. I don't know how serious those discussions were. We'll talk to John Wilner. Maybe he knows. But there's always been this tiff, right, with – the, the intellectual Stanford and Cal liberal mindset and the conservative religious-based BYU, they've always clashed. There have been issues going back to the 60s and so on. It didn't feel like that was a big a good cultural fit. Big 12 is very, uh, fits very well with what BYU is, right? Uh, you know, red states, Christian, uh, similar mindset that way. In the end, we're talking about athletics, but it does matter – kind of who you are and what you think off the field. I'm not sure BYU is a great fit with the Pac-12, even if that had been an option. Only geographically. I think philosophically not so much, but most of the fan base was the alumni, like, you know, the, the bigger pockets of alumni on the West Coast versus anywhere else. That was always my thought, and having grown up in the Pac-12 uh, until I moved to Utah, I was like, oh, I'd love that. Big 12 feel, feels like a good fit. BYU's in a good spot. Yeah. I, I think it's the Big 12. But I don't think the Pac-12 is as far behind no. as – 
a lot of BYU fans and maybe Big 12 fans think. Can I make a motion to call it the Pac-10? <laughs> In 24, it will be, right? And like Until, the, the, Big yeah. 10, the Big Ten and Big 12 had not worried about that number, right? Can we just that get rid of numbers inside of major conferences? Can we just all, all together do away with numbers? When we were coming up with the name for the show True Blue prior to this one way back Good in the day, grief. I proposed like BYU Sports Weekly or something. Yes. And the producer goes, don't attach that to it because then we have to do it every week. <laughs> But, like, the Big 12 doesn't care that there aren't 12 no. members in it. Can we just go to the Southwest Conference? It used to be the Southwest Conference way back in the day. Let's just call it the Southwest Conference. We're doing the slack again? Yeah, sure. Al- you know? Athletic Conference? Yeah. Yeah, call it, call it the PAC, whatever, the Pacific Conference. Let's just call it awesome. the WAC. Let's go back to the Western <laughs> Athletic. Okay, I digress. Now, if I may be so bold as to make a comparison, I've been flying a lot be this bold. summer. Okay, I've been flying a lot. And so I've really started to pay attention to airlines and like how they do things and mm-hmm. handle things and like their booking procedures and like if there's a, you know, a need for a change, like how they handle that little bit of uh, a situation or adversities. Mm-hmm. It's become clear that Delta is the juggernaut, okay? The, uh, Delta also yes. happens to be the official airline of, uh, I think, this program, BYU yeah, and yeah. the church. So Delta's yeah. the juggernaut. No, no bias there. Okay, Delta's the juggernaut. <laughs> They're the Big Ten in the SEC. Okay, that's Delta. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like watching every all the other airlines kind of like, you know, do their thing and try and compete and try and stay alive. Like I, bags fly free, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe the ACC is the South, is Southwest. They're still the solid, but yeah, over there, whatever. I feel like United and American are the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Very similar. Okay, yeah. so sure. close. Sure. And both threatening like, well, you might not be in existence after a while. What, you could get bought out. Okay, I feel like get all your pilots. Yeah, it's like we took your two best pilots. So what are you gonna do now? It's stupid. They're both going to exist. They're both going to stay around. Um, But they're both clearly underneath the juggernaut. Will the Pac-12, ten, exist if even one team is plucked? Do they? Do they? I want to ask John this because does uh, 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 survival require expansion? Even the SEC expanded. They took Texas and Oklahoma. Even the Big Ten expanded, USC and UCLA. Then the shift moved with the Big 12 to add the four, including BYU. Yeah, the Big 12 was at eight. Right? They were at eight. They had to add. They added four, the most of anybody. Does the Pac-12 have to add to survive? Because right now they're like that Spider-Man meme that he's just holding on on both ends, right? The train. Like, what? do you have to add to survive? And we're not even, again, not to, we're not talking about thriving. There's only two conferences that will thrive, and Notre Dame probably. What? Does the Pac-12 have to expand? Is San Diego State in a position there? Started Boise State. It doesn't sound like many people. There's not a lot of smoke there with Boise State. Yeah. Obviously, BYU getting into a league was huge for the university uh, at large. But I wonder if the Pac-12 feels like they need to expand. Can they pluck from the Big 12? Well, that's the, that's the question. Can they just go that's right the in question and go, because we want two of you. This is where it's united and American. Yeah, John at each other. It's like, well, the Pac-12 people – uh, the Pac-12 proponents are saying, well, what if the Pac-12 just plucks Oklahoma State and Texas Tech? And what are you going to do then? Now we're in a position of power. I think Oklahoma State is so excited to be the big dog finally. I, I, I don't see a situation Why would they Oklahoma... leave? Why would they leave? I think they love. And get lost underneath Oregon and Washington. Yeah. And we, do we really think Oregon and Washington are, if they got an invite to the Big Ten, that they aren't taking that? Who, who would get an invite to the Big Ten and not take it right now? What's the Mississippi? BYU would take it. Yeah, who's to say I think that BYU the Big Ten? Take it. Who's to say that the Big Ten even wants Oregon and Washington? Because frankly, right. if the Big Ten wanted right. Oregon and Washington, 
It would already would, be done. Would they have done it? It would already. already be done. And I'm not like Utah fans that think there's a realistic shot of the Big Ten or something. <sighs> like, no, BYU's going to be in the Big 12. Oh. In the past, I wanted a Pac-12 BYU fit. I, I, with Utah, maybe that was influenced by Utah. That's where I grew up. Like Too far Michigan. gone philosophically, right? Yeah, I, I just – but at some point, are we done with that for the survival of the league? Like, the, the bigotry on both sides, right? But uh, Big 12, in a better spot than the Pac-12 yeah. to summarize. John Willis. But I don't know that it's by that much. The, the, the Big 12 needs, I think, some of the Pac-12 to eliminate the threat of the Pac-12 doing to them what they're hoping. It feels like <laughs> risk. One's North America, one's in you know, Europe, and they're just battling yeah. um, to see who can conquer the other. We'll see, man. But I, I do love that the Big 12's on the aggressive publicly. I, I like that. John Wilner, and again, I can't wait to talk to him, he said the day after USC and UCLA announced that they were leaving for the Big 10 that the Pac-12 had the power to secure where they were going. A year by, ago. By adding BYU. And they did not do that. Again, we, we were told, rumor, I don't, it's not a report, but just we were told a rumor that BYU was chatting with the Pac-12 last year. They didn't ultimately invite. Does he still feel that way? There was not an invite, I want, an does, invitation. Yeah, does, does, does he still feel that way? That, like, because BYU's already committed? Yeah. I, I don't know the legality of BYU's uh, commitment to the Big 12. Yeah. I think it's a full commitment. I'm not sure it's a legal commitment with paperwork. It, might be, I don't know. But, like, that's an interesting idea. We're just, as, to be clear, we're just, <laughs> just discussing an idea. Yes, we're yes. not reporting anything. Right but, now, right now, because of the 12 teams versus the 10 teams, then there is a slight edge to the Big 12. And that can change in an instant. Exactly. That can change so So it's a so precarious fast. position. Like, yes. just be careful, right? Like, I know that BYU fans by nature, they want to beat their chest and, like, you know, Walk around like, yeah, we're, we're the number three. Because we have something over Utah, temporarily at least, right? We want to use that. Does, I get it. Does the Pac-12 but get on equal base. footing if they add, let's say, San Diego State and Gonzaga? They don't even – they just add – All uh, sports, but, but they don't have football. It, but they have Gonzaga basketball now. Like, does that – now are they on equal ground with the Big 12? Just numerically? I don't know. And in the end, is it all about the TV football revenue money? Is that, is that exactly what this is all about? Yes is the answer. Mm. And we don't know those exact numbers because when Texas and Oklahoma left, the estimate was that 50% of the value left. So we'll see what that contract looks like. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches athletes and experts have to say here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation Zach Selyus former Cougar he played tough on the outside he played tough on the inside one of the overall most physical toughest players uh, in BYU history to play so many different roles he's live with us this morning good morning Zach morning how are you guys good good do you like being known as a guy who did everything as opposed to man the guy should could shoot the three yeah it's fun to be known as everything because then nobody ever knows what you're gonna do <laughs> I think uh, you're also known for that stash I like to see that you still have the stash from your senior year I think it was <laughs> yep yeah I gotta keep it going it's kind of a trademark now and people hate it and that's what makes me keep it <laughs> well last night in the basketball tournament 21 points, uh, your team got beat, uh, and so everybody's 
out to do something else. But uh, tell us about last night and uh, and your 21. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was my first time playing in the tournament. And just to be a part of it, to play against a really good team. Um, I mean, Sideline Cancer is known for their talent and the players that have been on their team before. Um, so it was really fun to play against them and just to compete. Um, our team only had, you know, two days together out here in Cincinnati and we came together really quick. Um, and we lost a few guys on the way. So we, we looked like an AU team compared to a professional team. <laughs> and so it was really fun to go out there and just compete and to be in the game the whole way. And maybe next year we'll be able to get a win out of it. You said playing in this basketball tournament, you wanted to do that to get your name out there. Do you feel like you accomplished that? Yeah, I definitely think I did. Um, I mean, there's always room to improve uh, no matter where you are. Uh, so it was just a great opportunity. I mean, I met new guys, met people on different teams, kind of proved and put out my name just to say, hey, I'm doing this. And then, you know, I kind of backed it up on the court which was really helpful to be able to put my name out there. And so it was really awesome. It was a great time. And hopefully we can you know, get bigger and better things from it. When you look back at your time at BYU, you were asked to do so many things. I remember coming in as a, a hot shooting freshman and sophomore. It was all about the three. But by the time you wrapped up your career, you were boxing out guys that were five inches taller than you, and your job was, was to get rebounds. How did that variety prepare you now as you try to continue your basketball career and get paid for it? Uh, it helps a ton, um, especially with yesterday. Uh, we, like I said, we lost a few guys. And so I ended up being the tallest on our team, which hasn't been like that for since I was probably in elementary. And so to be able to be the five man, but then also being able to kind of control everything that we did. So I was able to make a lot of decisions, had a lot of mismatches. And so it was really, you know, fun in that sense, but it prepared me for this opportunity that we had yesterday to be able to be ready for that situation and to be able to, you know, make decisions as a point guard and then also to be able to go and bang down low with the centers. So, I mean, you kind of have to do it all just to win a game and, that's what it takes to win, and hopefully next year we can keep battling for it. Now, Zach, last time you were on the show, you mentioned that you might not be going back to Georgia. Does that change at all, and, and what's next for you? Having lost the game yesterday with this team, what's the next step for you? Um, the next step is still just negotiating different contracts. Um, I'm just trying to look for the next team that will fit my game and you know, a team that will be able to help me get to not only next year, but to the next step after that. And so I'm just looking for the next team and also a team that will, you know, be able to handle me and my family and to be able to handle two little boys on the, you know, with us as well. And so you just have to be able to keep, you know, grinding through this process and to be able to find, you know, a team that will fit perfect for me. BYU's basketball team is looking for its own fit now that the roster's been almost completely retooled and one more year to go before the Big 12 and the challenges that, that come there. What do you expect from Mark Pope's group, and were you surprised to see so many 
outgoing faces and incoming guys now? Yeah, I mean, I was a little, you know, surprised with a lot of guys leaving, guys coming in. Um, but I love Coach Pope. Um, he He's a smart coach. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And I think, think he knows I have all the faith in the world that this BYU basketball team is going to surprise a lot of people in that sense. Um, so I hope the best for them. You know, I hope that they can be able to keep, you know, grinding and keep doing the things to be a winning organization and able to be a big time program. And I think coach Pope has the tools to be able to do it. And so I trust him and I know that he knows what he's doing and, you know, he got a great staff on his side as well. And so it'll be fun to watch these guys this next year. You mentioned your two little boys. I know that's not easy to do, to be a father and take on all of this that you're trying to, to negotiate with new contracts and finding a team that fits for you. How much do they travel with you, and what's it like taking on those father duties as well? Obviously, that's your priority. Right, yeah. My family is definitely number one. Um, but, I mean, I have an amazing wife who helps me a lot. Uh, she sacrifices a ton so that I can be able to continue with this journey and, you know, they do travel with me when we find a team and go. And so it's fun to be able to be there as a family. And we try as much as possible not to be away from each other more than, you know, a couple of weeks. And so being at this tournament, being away from them, it's only been three days and it's been hard, you know, to be away. But luckily it's not another country and while well, they're back in America. And so. Um, it'll be good to see them again, and hopefully we can find something that we can all be together. And just to be able to have that support system wherever we are, it just makes it even more fun. Zach Salius is here with us on BYU Sports Nation. Zach, you got to tell us what's going on with that lamp behind you. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I've been wondering the same thing as soon as I checked into this hotel. But, hey, it's it's all Cincinnati. We just got to love it. That's that is all Cincinnati. Uh, these two boys you have, when they start playing ball, are you going to let them camp out on the uh, three-point line, or are you going to bring them down into the paint? Oh, they're going to do it all. They're going to be, they're going to be your Swiss Army knife. They're going to have it all. All right, all right. I'm sure they will. We look forward to see them here. Zach Selyus, 21 points last night. Uh, nice job. Best of luck moving forward. Let's stay in touch and and uh, and keep us posted on where you're going to shoot hoops next. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Now for the men's team of the year. Okay. Buckle up. The winner is BYU men's golf, Jerome. Men's golf coming in hot, went to the national championship. How about that? Yeah, and listen, they overcame a very slow start to the season, finished on a wild hot streak, earning a spot in the national championship round, led by stars Carson Lundell and David Timmons. Things did not look good early in the season, and here we are discussing with David Timmons and BYU Men's Golf, the Team of what the Year season. Award. What a Congratulations, Thank man. You. Yeah, no, we're honored. Thank you. There are a lot of great teams at BYU. To win the uh, Team of the Year on the men's side, what does that mean to you and the team, you think? 
No, I'm just, I'm so proud of my guys. They worked so hard all year and we, we struggled in the fall a lot, but we were able to rally hard in the spring and finish it off right. What changed in the spring? Because yeah. we, we watched the team and we were like, hey, this isn't the normal Bueller men's golf team. And then you guys turned it on in the spring. Yeah, I know. We, we started off well in the, in the fall. We won our first event by like 20 shots and we were like, this is going to be an awesome <laughs> year. Yeah, we're just going to smoke everyone. It's going to be good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we just like the rest of the fall season, we couldn't really all show up at the same tournament. Um, and it like it really let us down. We we were kind of bummed, but luckily, I'm sure you guys know Daniel Summerhays hopped on our team mm -hmm. in the off season. So I really think that was a big big motivation for all of us to kind of rally us and turn it on in the spring. That's quite the staff: Bruce Brockman, Todd Miller, Daniel Summerhays. Let's just yeah. say that's a power five staff. Absolutely. Yeah. Why was this team unique and special, in your opinion? Yeah, I know that's a great question. I I feel like if you look at the roster, most of us are from Utah. And so most of us grew up playing together mm. in junior golf. Mm. And so I feel like we just have a unique chemistry that most teams don't have where we all know each other really well. And it's a really good brotherhood. So I think we all get along with each other on and off the course. And it's been, it's been good. Are you the greatest BYU athlete who transferred from Westminster? No. <laughs> <laughs> not I don't even, know about not even close. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. I think uh, you're, you're leading. Okay, so your season uh, low was 10 under at the uh, Cougar Classic, incredible. But shot a nine under at regionals. Which one do you like more? Uh, man, that's a tough question. I mean, I love playing in front of our home fans. Cougar Nation's awesome. I love playing Riverside. Um, that was really special. We, we kind of do it unique in our tournament where we get to play with the teammate. Not in most tournaments, we don't get to do that. So I, I was able to play with one of my good buddies, Keanu Aquino. Mm. He's, he's been on the show. We love him. A walk on? Right? Yeah. It was the walk-on group. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, I was able to play with them in the Coug, and that, that was really special. That was, cool. that was a fun tournament. Okay, so you talked about some special rounds that you played. Is there a favorite moment you had from the previous season? Favorite moment? Uh, it's pretty hard to pass up at, at Stockton at the regionals when Carson tapped in to, to win it. Punched our ticket to the national championship. That was pretty special. That's awesome. And By he the way, told us he didn't necessarily know yeah. that that was what that was for. Todd yep. Miller's like, I don't want to put that person on him <laughs> right here. Um, were, yep. were you all at that green with him watching it? So he, he was the last one coming in. Kay. We were all like right around. We finished on the, on the front nine. So we were all around number nine green, all of our parents and family and friends. And you knew what was at stake? So yeah, all, all three, no, no, I think it was just Danny and Todd, they both were with Carson in the fairway. And Carson was kind of, he was kind of feeling something different because usually there's not two coaches of the player. And he's like, <laughs> I, think, I think I need to, I think I need to finish this off strong. So it was really special. We like all rushed the green and it was really special. That's awesome. David Timmons of BYU Men's Golf is with us on the Y Awards, part of BYU Sports Nation. Now, it's interesting because when you look at that Stockton Regional, for one, they didn't get where BYU was located right on the flag. Did you see that, by the way? Uh, yeah, I think so, it was BYU-Idaho. So I'm so glad you're representing BYU-Idaho at the Stockton yeah, Regional. You took that personally, BYU clearly. Like, we do have athletics. <laughs> That's funny you guys noticed that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Now, when you are in that high-pressure pack situation and you're watching, I mean, obviously you played at an extremely high level, but you're watching Carson Lundell win that, you know, medal. Is there something in his eye that you can see where you're like, okay, it's, he's just different today? If so, what is that? I mean, it's not just one day. That guy, he's incredible. I mean, he, he's our backbone. He, if you look at how we finished coming down the, the spring season, he almost won every single tournament. So we're, we're so grateful to have him and all the work he does. He's, he's been really special to have on the team. What's the future like for this group? Because you guys have a standard of getting to the NCAA Regional and to the championships. You've got your own facility now out at Fox Hollow, which is cool. Yep. What's life like, like uh, for this program right now? 
Yeah, no, we're fortunate. Everyone's coming back on the team. We're, we're getting a new guy coming in from South Africa. Um, oh, very nice. So, yeah, we, we, we got a good squad coming up this year. We're, we've got high hopes, big goals. We were kind of disappointed how we finished up at Nationals. Um, so we're grateful that we get another shot at set Greyhawk next year. So we're excited to get back there. Are you a beanie on a hat guy? We just saw a photo there. No, of that's, like a cold day. That was <laughs> like a, a unique that's look. A cool pawnage. It's cold. Right it's all cold, yeah, right? You can have that look. That's yeah, there it is. The beanie on the hat guy. By the you way, off. we played in the corporate sponsorship tournament uh, Tuesday, and Max Brinchley was out there, dude. That, that's. That ball moves off his uh, club different. Yeah, he's was, a the lefty. He's a football player that plays golf. Yeah. Seriously, he's he's big. Yeah, he's I big was surprised. Dude. Yeah, for sure. Is it pretty competitive in practice, by the way, between you guys? It's like I feel like it's a it's a good mixture of competition and and like friendly rivalry. I mean, we yeah. definitely want to beat each other's guts out in practice. <laughs> Afterwards, we're we're all good buddies. Yeah. You know that's the I want to destroy well. you yeah. on the scorecard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's how that's how all good teams are, though. You know, you gotta have yeah. that yep. team competition. Yep. David Timmons, BYU men's golf. Thanks for hanging Thanks out. Thanks for coming on, man. man. Yeah. Congratulations on winning me. men's Appreciate team of the year and being Big here. Time. Thank you. Big time. Appreciate it. Okay, now for the Leona Holbrook Spirit of Sport Award given to the senior female athlete whose participation best exemplifies the true spirit of sport in athletics and life. All right. Here are the nominees. We begin with Maria Albiero, women's basketball from Brazil. I was hoping you'd go with the correct pronunciation. Londrina, you know me was the point guard on the greatest regular season women's basketball team in school history, starting every game, ranking fifth in the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. She shot 85% from the free throw line as well. Cassidy Smith, soccer, she's back. The senior fought through just so many injuries, primarily a terrible shoulder and knee, to help the Cougars make their first ever College Cup and National Championship appearance. And again, let's uh, go ahead and mention one more time that save in the shootout with Santa Clara to send the Cougars oh, to the national title match. Incredible. Leah Haymuli, women's tennis. The Utah transfer made the most of her COVID senior year at BYU, winning nine singles matches and four doubles matches as well. Courtney Wayman, track and field. You think she had a year to remember? Goodness. Capped off an incredible BYU career, third NCAA championship, this time with the NCAA steeplechase title. 12th in the world last night. How about that? And the winner is... Cassidy Smith, oh, well deserved. women's soccer. You mentioned her shoulder. It would routinely pop out pregame. Yeah, yeah just, just pop it back just in. Pop, You're back good. In. We're good. Seventh-year senior. After the South Carolina win in the Elite Eight, I told her, I know you've been through a ton, but I want you to know that all of that was so that you could be the goalie that was the first to help BYU get to the NCAA college to make cup. history. Like, hopefully, it was worth it for you because that sacrifice was significant. Yes, I mean, the physical was, and emotional toll of those injuries. Yeah. Not to mention the pressure of being in those huge games. Seven shutouts last year. She's a triplet. Fun story. Just incredible person. And congratulations on the win. Well done. Now for the Dale R. McCann Spirit of Sport Award given to the senior male athlete whose participation best exemplifies the true spirit of sport in athletics and life. The nominees are James Empey of football. He anchored a BYU offensive line that plowed their way to 10-plus wins for a second straight season. The acclaimed center has worked in lockstep with quarterback Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, not to mention road grading for running back Tyler Algier as he made history for most rushing yards in a single season. John Stanley, men's volleyball. Ten aces off the bench, as we mentioned. A bundle of energy anytime he came into the match. Played outside hitter. Several games as well. Great teammate, crowd pleaser as well. Javier Nicolas Mata earned the MPSF Men's Swimmer of the Year title at the 2022 MPSF Championships, 
earned two wins in his individual events, in addition to swimming on three winning relays. He also recorded an MPSF season best time in the 100-yard fly with a 46.59 second time. These are the only photos we will show of anyone breathing. And Mitch McIntyre, baseball, the super senior from Stansbury Park, Utah. Shout out to Zane Anderson, was so versatile as a highlight-making outfielder and left-handed pitcher as well. He had 247 uh, with a team-high 17 doubles and a perfect 10 for 10 in stolen base. And your winner is... Dale R. McCann Spirit of Sport Award, John Stanley. John Stanley is so fun to watch, so energetic. You can't be in a bad mood when you see John. Oh, by the way, Dale R. McCann is Dave McCann's dad who yes. passed away a long time ago. So shout out to the McCann fan. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is time for the Lou Wallace Outstanding Senior Award, awarded to a female senior who clearly demonstrated high athletic and academic performance and sportsmanship. Woo! Your nominees are Taylor Williams of softball. We know she's got nail game as well. Indeed. Had a heralded and resurgent senior season, helping the Cougars to a program best 42 wins, 17-game win streak to end the season, and a 13th straight conference title. The versatile star and pride of Mona, Utah, batted almost 400, <laughs> including career highs and run scored, hits, doubles, home runs, and RBIs this season. She's the queen of diamonds. Shout out to the Mona Pond. Okay, if you've been there, it's super fun. Michaela Coulihan Clough, women's soccer, after being drafted by the Orlando Pride early in 2021, she chose not only to play that spring season that was delayed because of COVID, but also the fall, and was extremely pivotal in BYU's chance to make the incredible run to the national title game it did. Herman Trophy finalist, perhaps the greatest player in program. Kenzie Kerber of women's volleyball, the four-time All-American. about that? That's all she does. Led BYU to the Sweet 16, also winning WCC Player of the Year, had 364 kills. So many kills, yes. many against Utah. That was fun. And your winner is... Kenzie Kerber, who joins us now in yeah. Studio C. Kenzie, welcome. Hello. Welcome to the program. Congratulations on the win. Thank you. All you do is win. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Seriously. I think women's volleyball went 31-2. and two. That's 32-2 and two now for you individually. Uh, but... Obviously, when you came here, it was a big deal. Yeah. Coming down from Utah, we were like, we got Kenzie Kerber. Are you? <laughs> Thank you. I found you. out during the Thank you, Kenzie, season. for seeing the light and yeah. the blue of yeah. joining us in pro. Well, what's the past year been like for you? Oh, it's been awesome. I mean, coming down here in June, I was obviously pretty nervous. Like, I don't feel like I'm a freshman again, like coming into a new school, learning a new system. But, you know, it was just a dream come true. Like, last year was the best year that I had in my college career. And I, I look back at pictures and videos like still to this day, like literally on Saturday, I was looking at videos on the plane and it was just so fun. That group of girls was such a blast to play with. Everyone loved each other. Everyone was happy for each other's success and to play for Heather and to learn so much from her and to still have such a great relationship with her. Like we text and see each other almost every day. Like she's just become one of my best friends. And so BYU is such a special place. I'm so glad that I saw the light and decided to come down here. <laughs> on behalf of everybody, thank you yes. Yes, for coming down. Yes. It was awesome. So you've played on a lot of high-performing teams and enjoyed a ton of success, but every team's a little bit different. So what made this team different than the other squads you've been a part of? Yeah, I think one thing I noticed about the volleyball team down here, even when I was up at Utah, is like they just look like they love playing with each other. Like They just look so happy. There's so much energy. 
they looked so happy for one another's success and that was just something that I'd really never experienced before and so when I got down here and after the first few weekends of games I had Whitney Bauer always, I'm so grateful you're here. I'm, so, I'm like, oh, really? Like, you know, other, you know, <laughs> you're bearing a testimony? Yeah, on? like other attackers were like, we're so grateful to have you on our team. Like it was just so different. I just felt so appreciated and I was so glad that we got to work together and the culture is just so different. Like we, there is a culture that we all live by and you know, Heather does a great example at putting that at the top and yeah. that she doesn't put up with anything that is against it. And so I think that's what made our team so special. Oh, every, we know. She's, every she's transfer a, uh, every transfer needs like an appreciation week, right? <laughs> yes. I, I think this is a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, let's do this. What does it mean to win the most outstanding senior female athlete at BYU Award? There were a lot of great seniors. Yeah, year. I mean, it's such an honor. Like, I was here for less than a year and to win that award and to – I mean, make such an impact here. It's I feel so humbled by that experience, and I'm so grateful that people thought that I was, you know, a great fit for this team and helped this team. And all I wanted to do was come down here and play volleyball and play with a group of girls that were becoming my best friends. And honestly, like none of the awards and the accolades that came with that season were on my mind. Like I just wanted to remember my college career on a good note, and I can almost guarantee if I wouldn't have transferred down here, I would have remembered college volleyball a lot differently than I do. And so I kind of don't really look at the last four years, two years before that. Like I have only been looking at this last season, how special it was. And I think that that was a big reason. And so I just think the love and appreciation that I had to come to a program that made me feel special and made me feel happy and wanting to go to practice every day and wanting to perform my best is just what I was focused on. So. Yeah. Well, I think you just answered my next question uh, in large part, but I'm <laughs> going to follow it up just because I want to know how transferring to BYU impacted your life the most from a personal standpoint. Oh, I mean, the opportunities that I've had since coming down here is like unreal. Like coming down here and meeting the people that I met and, you know, getting involved with administration and now working here in corporate sponsorships and I had the opportunity to speak to PLC with um, you know sister Corden and it was just unreal like she chose me to come she was like I want you to come speak at this and I was like what like and I thought it was gonna be 20 30 people it was like 200 and I was like this is insane. <laughs> and like important people yeah right? I yeah. was like this is insane so just the opportunities that I've had to meet people that are you know high up in the church and just to create experiences and memories with people that are very strong members in the church has helped build my testimony and just mm. shown me so much more about how great everyone is down here. And it's not like that at every university. You don't have your athletic directors running up to you and saying hi and knowing your name and that's not common everywhere. And so that was one thing that I really emphasized to the team when I left is like coming from somewhere else, like what you have here isn't normal and you gotta make sure that you are appreciative of that because I know coming in as a freshman, maybe you just may think that everywhere is like that, but it's not. And so I think it just made me so appreciative of Provo and of BYU and I never really hated BYU when I was at Utah. I always kind of liked it. And so I just knew that I wanted to be around here for the long haul. Yeah. And so finishing playing and having my pro season not really work out to be able to still be here is exciting. Sister uh, Corden's a homie, by the way. Yeah, we, we know Bonnie. We like her a lot. She's, she's, a, she's awesome, yeah. right? Well, congratulations on winning uh, Lou Wallace Outstanding Senior Female. Thank you. Appreciate awesome. it. Kenzie, Thanks. great to have you with us. And she works here now uh, on campus, so uh, we'll see you around. It's exciting. Okay, now for the Ed Stein Outstanding Senior Award nominees. Awarded to a male senior who has clearly demonstrated high athletic and academic performance and sportsmanship. Mm. For a second time, James Empey is a nominee. Let's go, football. Four-year starting center from American Fork, Utah. 
helped lead the Cougar offense to a top 20 finish. In points and yards per game, he started all 41 games he played in. He was rated as one of the top centers in college football by Pro Football Focus. Connor Mance, cross country, back-to-back -back national champion in the sport, personal best and course record in the 10K in Tallahassee, Florida. Connor's beast mode, Jerem, constantly. It's hard to look normal when you're running fast, right? That left, you know, it's just hard. I just love that he said, I just feel like when I'm running in race, I know that I have more inside, more energy than the rest of the guys. Like, I can suffer longer. I can suffer longer. Colton yeah. Yardley, track and field, the senior from Clinton, Utah. Shout out to Spencer. Mm -hmm. Was a first team All-American, finishing seventh in the 400 meter hurdles with a time of 50.1. He's third all time with a PR of 49.6 in that event. Part of the MPSF 4x400 Indoor Championship team. And your winner is Connor Mance. Frankly, it's hard to beat back-to-back -back national titles. If you win a national title, <laughs> you win a Y award. Like, that should be automatic. So when someone wins a national title next time, let's say, and they just won a Y award as well. We don't know which one, but they're going to win. Yeah, back-to-back -back national champion. One of the greatest athletes in BYU history. Think about Seriously. it. Seriously. Who's won, you know, two-plus national titles? Courtney Wayman, Connor Mansar. Athletes from this past year. First American man to go back-to-back -back since 2008. Doesn't happen often. Whitney Orton, individual and team with Cross Country League. All right, now for the Kimball Memorial Award given to the athlete who has the highest cumulative GPA among those who have lettered twice or more and completed 70 or more credit hours. So basically, you got to be an awesome athlete and be super smart. Mm -hmm. Your winners are Bella Felino and McKay Johns, both with perfect 4.0. How about that? I was just trying to get a 3-0. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We start with another big award, our Male Athlete of the Year. Okay, let's go. And the nominees are Alex Barcelo, men's basketball, AB for three. One of the best shooters in BYU men's basketball history was labeled the best shooter in the entire country this past season by ESPN's Jay Billis. He returned to lead the Cougars in scoring at almost 17 points a game and three-point shooting at 42%. He's currently with the Toronto Raptors Summer League team in the NBA. Davide Gardini men's volleyball. The Italian became one of only three players in BYU history to be a three-time first-team All-American. He led the Cougars in points and kills, highlighted by a senior career high of 30 kills in his final home match against UCLA. Don't call him Dave Garden. <laughs> Tyler Algier, football, broke the single season record for rushing yards at BYU, 1,601 yards to be exact, 23 touchdowns on the ground to go with 28 catches for another 199 yards through the air, fifth round draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know that I thought Luke Staley's record would ever be broken, but there it was, man, that was awesome. Man, Connor Mance, cross country. He won back-to-back -back cross country national championships with a personal best and course record of 28-31.1 in the 10K in Tallahassee, Florida. Is this what, the third nomination yep. for Connor Mance? Yep. And the winner is Tyler Algier. Well done to Psycho T. We mentioned the single season rushing record. Jeremy, it's one thing to do that just in general, but to do it against that schedule, yes. six power five wins. That was another level. It really was. And it showed the country and scouts and the Falcons specifically what kind of player he can be. And yeah. now we get excited for Tyler in the NFL because this guy's going from walk on at BYU, a tremendous story to not just a scholarship guy, not just a linebacker, but a running back. 
and the single season leader, and now he's with the Atlanta Falcons. And now he's joining us from Atlanta to receive this award and give us the latest. Tyler, great to see you. Congratulations, man. Oh, no, thank you. I appreciate you guys. Well, we just talked about the incredible season that you had again, and I know you've heard, you know, all of the stats. Did you know you had a great season, Tyler? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was all right. <laughs> all right. It was, okay. it was all Could right. Have been better. Yeah, for sure. Enough to uh, help you win the Male Athlete of the Year. But what does this award mean to you uh, to win it uh, among a group of just elite, elite athletes at BYU? Yeah, it's an honor, shoot. Yeah, for, yeah, it's an honor. You know, just grateful for the, for the fans, for, for, the, for everyone, really. For everyone, really. You know, my team really got me there got me to where I am and all the coaches as well. So, you know, just grateful for everyone who's been on that road for me, with me. You had a tremendous 2020, but then 21 was a different kind of schedule. What did it mean to you and what kind of challenge did you feel to simulate that and not just equal that, you actually bested it against better competition? Yeah, I think it just challenged myself really just like I did what I did in 2020, but now if I want to be better, like I need to be better the next year. So I really challenged myself just to really – just break out, break out and do whatever I can to really just have a great season. Now, the Atlanta Falcons, we learned, kind of highlighted the Washington State game as the moment they were like, we need this dude. Was that game uh, the most memorable for you, or was there a different game that tops that list? Low-key, that, that one was a crazy game. I think the, what was it, the sixth minute, and we literally just handed the ball off to me. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I was tired too, but I knew I had to finish the game. So, And then I ended up doing it, doing it, and then we ended up winning. But that was not, not only was it me, but it was the whole offensive line and receivers just blocking their tails off. Really just, a, it was all the team effort, I think, that whole season. It was incredible. They, y- you had to carry this team. Um, and you got a first down and iced it away. I remember being with you in the film room segment the next Monday, and I said, did you jump into that guy in the end zone on purpose? And you were like, yeah, he was going low at me, so I had to give him a little something <laughs> in the end zone. What, what was the whole season like for you as you continued to pile up these tremendous performances and then realize, hey, I can be an NFL running back here? Honestly, it was more just taking it game by game. I didn't really think about because I always had questions like, oh, are you going to stay? Or are you going to leave? But it was really just taking it game by game. You know, we'll just see what happens at the end. Every, like, everything happens for a reason and then ended up making that final decision and going to the league. Tyler Algier is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Well, naturally, BYU fans want to know what's next for you. Uh, we mentioned that you're in Atlanta. So what does the immediate future look like for you as you begin your NFL career? Hey, you know, just like at BYU, shoot. You know, just got just to do what I do. You know, just be patient, be patient, whatever, whenever my time is to shine, you know, then, then I'll end up being ready to take it. But besides that, just taking it day by day, learning the offense and, you know, just getting ready. Are you prepared for an outrageously large bill at a restaurant as a rookie with your teammates? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm not, if I, you, you need to ask Drake London for that. <laughs> Drake, yeah, Drake. Hey, hey, first rounder. How about you pay for this, right? I was fifth round. Let's go. No, exactly. Um, what, no, he's a great guy, though. Yeah, and, and a guy that we uh, we saw a couple years ago at, at against USC. Oh yeah. Um, let's and and listen. He was injured in that USC last uh, game last year. That's probably a good thing for BYU. That's a tremendous player. Okay, what's it been uh, like with the Falcons so far and kind of integrating into uh, NFL life? You know, it's different. It's different for sure. You know, you just have so much time on my hands in myself. So literally just having so much time, just 
doing everything for my body while getting ready mentally and physically for the season and for practice the next day and all of that. At least you don't have homework. Well, I mean, right? Like you, you survived. Mm. No, no homework. What is what? How has that changed your life? Honestly, I'm not no homework yet. I'm still taking like a like a little bit of uh, online classes. Okay. So. Hey, good for you. Still, still a little bit of homework, but it's not it's not too bad. <laughs> hey, you getting paid to do homework? It's the playbook with the Falcons. What's an NFL playbook like? Oh, it, honestly, BYU really uh, really prepared me really well for this playbook now. So it's not as bad. It's just different terms and a lot of mix and matches. But besides that, it's really good. Tyler, I've asked you this before, but let's finish with maybe your favorite moment or play or win or touchdown, whatever that thing may be while you're at BYU. What's the most memorable moment for you? Memorable moment? Dang. Honestly, it was that high-scoring game against Virginia. That was actually really fun. That was a real fun game. The, de- the defense feels fun. otherwise. <laughs> the defense like, that was our worst one. <laughs> all, all no, yeah, I think just uh, balling out with the offense, balling out with the offense and just doing what we do, shoot. It really showed a lot from, like, just the mindset of our team. Uh, Tyler, needless to say, we are thrilled for you and what's about to happen uh, in your football career in Atlanta. Uh, I'm sure you feel the love from BYU fans and uh, Cougar Nation as they support you, even though you're wearing black and a little bit of red. It's okay. This it's is okay. This, this is an okay right. amount of red for you, but congratulations. Uh, what, what a remarkable year for you. No, thank you. appreciate you guys. I yeah, appreciate Cougar Nation as well. Let's go. Tyler Algier, live from Atlanta on the Y Awards. What a class act, man. He's still taking classes. He's still taking classes. Uh, let's go. And now he's in the NFL classes. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do. Okay. <laughs> Female Rookie of the Year, let's go. Who are the nominees? We start with Kaylee Faulkner of Track and Field, the freshman from Mesa, Arizona, set the indoor school pole vault record with a vault of 14.375 at the BYU Invitational. She also won the MPSF title in the indoor as well. In the outdoor season, she took 26 at the NCAA West Preliminaries. How about the freshman phenom and beam specialist, a huge part of Guard Young's nationally ranked gymnastics program. She's one of the happiest people I've ever met. Eliza Millar, well-deserving nominee, Jaron. Any uh, relation to Ryan there? No relation. Oh, we asked come her. On. We asked her no relation. Olivia Smith, soccer, the third-year freshman, was on the All-West Coast Conference team and a starter. Highlighted uh, her season with the game-opening three-assist performance against Ohio State. She was tremendous up that right wing as a right back part of that team that went to the national championship. Yeah, you know what's wild? Like, as, as amazing as that soccer team was, they bring back just a ton of young talent again. Yeah, Smith, like I said, third-year freshman. Uh, you know, redshirted, and then the COVID-free year, and then uh, she's a redshirt freshman. So there you go. And the winner is Kaylee Faulkner of track and field. Well a done, tremendous Kaylee. freshman season in the indoor pole vault. Bright future with the school record as a freshman in indoor MPSF title. Uh, hoping to continue to get even better in outdoor as well. She had a great freshman season. I don't know what's happening with our pole vaulters at BYU, but whatever they're doing, keep doing they it. They are flying. Keep <laughs> doing it. Flying. Keep doing it. Now for the Cougar Club Memorial Award given to the junior athlete with high scholarly achievement. We're going to leave out the drama here. Okay, let's just get right to the nominees. Dallin Vorkink of track and field, Jerem. I mean, the track and field program 
continues to put together high-level athletes teams, okay? It's, the list goes on and on. Dallin's just the latest, an incredible all-around athlete for BYU track and field. Yep, he's tremendous all-around. Brigham Harrison, swimming. His name's Brigham, he's from Provo. Okay, this guy is about as BYU as it gets. We love him. Harrison set the school record in the 203 relay, also part of the 403 relay MPSF championship team. Casey Klinger of BYU track and field and cross country. He's just another portion of that unbelievable team that won another West Coast Conference championship. He's just waiting for his moments behind Connor Mance, right? Tremendous team, tremendous individuals, former Gatorade National Player of the Year before his, uh, runner of the year before his mission. Casey Klinger's legit, man. Bella Felino, women's soccer, one of the great names in Cougar sports. A sophomore from California, played in all 24 games. Nine goals en route to an all-West Coast Conference second-team season. And your winner is... Brigham Harrison. Because he's Brigham and he's from Provo. Oh, he's also an amazing oh, athlete. Oh, is that why we gave it Congratulate. to him? Brigham looks okay. like a happy fellow. I like him. All right. Yeah, all-academic team as well. Back-to-back um, -back MPSF titles. That matters. It starts with conference championships. And Brigham Harrison uh, with the 200-400, as we mentioned. Tremendous swimmer. Congratulations to Brigham Harrison. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.